I served in Vietnam. I served in Iraq. No matter where you served or when, VA has benefits for veterans of every generation. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation, and at the solicitation of Japan, was still in conversation with its government and its emperor, looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. Hello everybody, I am Timothy Lawson, your host for This Week at VA. As many of you know, Wednesday, December 7th marked the 75th anniversary of the attacks on Pearl Harbor. To join the nation in the commemoration of this event, we'll be honoring the heroes and survivors of Pearl Harbor as well as World War II. Our featured guest is Navy veteran Alfred Rodriguez, a Pearl Harbor survivor. But first, I want to share with you an experience that I got to have earlier in the week on Monday when I was at the National Cemetery here in Honolulu. I met Navy veteran Joseph Skidda for his first visit to the cemetery where he had one mission in mind. I'm looking for my body, my buddy I went to school with, flowers on his grave. Which, which school did you go to? Oh, Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania? Yeah, did small you, town. Did you serve with him or did you guys serve separately? Him and I went to school together. Yeah. We played hooky from school in January. We bumped 40 miles to get into service. Well, he's dead now. He got right. killed. Sure. So I went to put a grave or flowers on his grave. Yeah, of course. We're good buddies. Mm-hmm. What's your buddy's name? We called him Let's Warm Bro. They, they got the picture. Huh? Uh-huh. Where did you grow up? Where, where did I grow up? Oh, great buddy? big town population, 5,000 at that time. Now it's 3,000. It's a beautiful country where I come from. Northeastern part of Pennsylvania, okay. up near Lake Erie. Sure. We're, we're I'm in the Allegheny National Forest. That's the only for, uh, national forest on the East Coast. Hunting, fishing, everything's fine. Do you, do you mind if we follow you while you uh, while you put flowers on your friend's grave? Is that okay with yeah. you? Yeah. Do you mind? No. That'd be great. When they when yeah. they find yeah. uh, your I, grave, I put we'd flowers like to follow out you. On my friends out in uh, uh, Europe. Oh yeah. Yeah, three of them back there. Okay. On the in the Pacific or in the uh, Atlantic side. Where did where where all did you serve? I was in the amphibious forces. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was involved in the landing of the troops at Normandy invasion. With help from VA staff at the cemetery and some other people inside of his group, we were able to locate Joe's friend and reunite them for the first time in over seven decades. If you are ever visiting one of our national cemeteries, you can use our gravesite locator to be prepared to be able to find your loved one upon arrival. Visit gravelocator.cem.va.gov and use the tool there to locate the grave of anyone buried inside of our national cemeteries. The featured interview on today's show is with Navy veteran Alfred Rodriguez. 
Around the island, he's affectionately called Uncle Al. Uncle Al was, is a Pearl Harbor survivor who went on to serve in the Navy for more than 20 years. He is as sharp and witty as they come. We joined Uncle Al at his residence just a ways away from Pearl Harbor, where my colleague Melissa Heinz and I sat with him for an interview. Al talks to us about his experience on the morning of December 7th, serving in the war, where he was when the war was over, and continuing on to educate others on the events that occurred on December 7th and other experiences he had during the war. Enjoy. Alfred Benjamin Kamiyamoku Rodriguez. I am 96 years old. Great. Tell me a little bit about where did you grow up? I was uh, born on the island of Kauai, on a little town of Kapa'a. My mother was a school teacher in Kapa'a school. She taught the third grade, and uh, until her death, we lived in a teacher's cottage right off the school grounds. After she passed away, my dad found a place in uh, Kapa'a, but before he found a place, I uh, moved in with my uncle Henry and Auntie Lucy or Key. They lived in Wailua, which is uh, all about seven, eight miles from Kapa'a, and lived with them for almost a year. At that time, and still today, you know, they were like cousins. When did you decide that you wanted to join the Navy? How old were you? I joined the, uh, I had a cousin named Arthur, and he was going to meetings at the reserve station. So he invited me, and uh, about the third meeting we'll go, they were recruiting people, so they gave us some information. I wrote back to my dad. He came back, as he approved it, and my cousin father says, no, wait till you get a little older. So here I was stuck in the Navy. Many years later, was transferred to New York City, and uh, my dad wrote me a letter. He says, your cousin was in Germany with the PT boats, and he'd be in New York. So sure enough, uh, I called, you know, I was, uh, I had a good job there. I called the place where we was coming. When he got in, he called me, and I had a girlfriend whose sister, we went on a date. Two weeks later, he married the girl from New York City, and he takes her back to Kauai. You know, Kauai is a little in Kalia. Everybody goes to sleep at 9 o'clock. And here's this girl from New York City living with them in Kalia. It, it didn't work out. It did not work out. But eventually, but they, they, they stayed. They had a boy and who's still living in Kauai. She finally, uh, you know, passed away, but that's the story for New York coming to, to Kauai. So you were 17 years old when you decided that you wanted, and you and your cousin went down to the river. Yes, ma'am. Tell me, you told me earlier that your father had to sign your paper, right? Yeah, I had to go. He had to get, it, at my age, I needed his permission. What happened after you joined the Navy? Well, you know, I was, we were called into active duty one year and one month before the war started. We prepared, we had meetings 
we had wooden sticks that used the guns, went out and shot at different ships, Italy, France, different countries. So somebody, somewhere, someone, somebody knew that something was going to happen, not in Hawaii, but, you know, when it came, we were, we were really not surprised because we were preparing for it. I had a 30 caliber rifle shooting at the planes that morning. Well, that morning I got a, I had the 48 war, so I got up at 3:30, and uh, being a Sunday morning, usually you uh, ask get what you want to eat. First thing people ask me what happened on December 7th. I said I never had breakfast that morning. My my dog gets very upset when I say that, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But uh, well, just before breakfast, and I was looking forward to it. I had taken a shower that was kind of humid night, so I took a shower that morning. And you know, in the Navy, when you, you're by yourself, you feel kind of comfortable with your, your, your shipmate, not a, <laughs> you're not afraid of dropping your soap, <laughs> if you understand what I mean. <laughs> anyway, when the uh, alarm sounded, man your battle stations, this is not a drill. And they repeated it about three times. We all ran out to the armory where they gave me a 30 caliber rifle. And at that time, we could see the planes above. And we started shooting at them. I know we, there were enough of us shooting at them. I know we hit the planes, but, you know, a 30 caliber rifle is not going to bring a plane down. They were flying low enough, you could see the pilots' faces. You remember seeing pilots? It was scary. It was scary. But after a few minutes... You know, you lose that fear, and you you know you had to protect yourself. Were you there when they heard? You heard a report, right, that the, there was a submarine. Oh yeah. At, at three thirty in the morning, we were wondering, you know, gee, I hope they notify the fleet. At three thirty in the morning, you know, I had to watch. We were told that there was a submarine out there. One of the destroyers, the USS Water, dropped depth charges on an unidentified submarine at three thirty. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, something was wrong. Well, they, when I got reported for duty that morning at 4 o'clock, the, the, whoever was on watch told me about it. Did you think anything of it? Well, we, saw, we, we just hoped that the, the fleet was uh, notified. You know, it was a... I can't believe, you know, you, you, you think back about it. You know, so many men would be saved. You said, man your battle stations, this is not a drill. What happened after that? Well, then we could see the planes up above. And uh, well, we ran out to the army, got, got our ammunition, and started shooting at them. And how did your day end? Well, you know, that's something, uh, you know, security was, we, the military took over the armed forces. I mean, for two or three days, I couldn't even call home. You couldn't use the phones. So we were, we, you know, we didn't know what was happening, really, until uh, a friend of mine who uh, was uh, delivering bread, he came aboard, and I said, hey, call my family, and I felt better. What did your family say when they heard from you? So, well, it was a couple of weeks before I, you know, could even talk to them. Well, they were happy. Well, when I told this bread guy to let him know, I felt better already. 
So after the attack, were you all? Where were you all kept? You had to stay on base the whole time and not talk to anybody. Oh, yeah. And like I say, everything was secured. That we didn't even know what was happening in town. We knew it was a blackout. All the lights were out at night for uh, I don't know how long, three or four weeks, whatever it was. But they were still afraid of attacking from the. Uh, you know, they had submarines out here in the Pacifics, the Japanese. So everything was tight. Security was real tight. Like I say, we couldn't even phone home. How do you think everything changed after what happened on Pearl Harbor? For you, for America? Well, like I've, I've told you before that eventually, while in the Navy, I had duty in Japan in the... And uh, I was at the Naval Supply Depot, Yakuska, and lived in Yokohama. You know, it was about uh, eight tunnels away, about 10 miles away. And uh, I enjoyed it, you know, living with uh, Japan, coming from Hawaii. But in those days, it was a little different than today, I'm sure. I, I really enjoyed living in Japan, you know, for three years and about... Seven or eight years later, I got aboard a ship that was home ported in, uh, in, in Japan. And we would go from Japan to Hok- uh, down the southern part of Japan. So I got to know them, the local people, the indigenous people, we call them, very well. And enjoyed it completely. How did you feel going there after what happened in Hawaii? Going back to Japan? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So after Pearl Harbor, you became a battleship sailor, is that correct? Correct. Tell me about that. Where did you start? I was aboard the uh, USS Washington BB-56. I uh, actually, I had, uh, the Washington was uh, in Pearl Harbor, and uh, I had a friend of mine who uh I wasn't supply and go to supply office to submit requisitions. And this other friend on the Washington liked Hawaii. And during the war, a lot of things would happen that won't happen today. I said, what about swapping duty? Because I had some uh, girlfriend whose uh, sister wanted me to get married. And I, was, I, I didn't want to get married at that age. So I said, you want to swap? He said, you really mean it? I said, sir, we'll go see the supply officer. He said, sure, why not? So I left Hawaii. And the first thing we did was we went around Kaoholavi and we did bombing practice. So we were bombing Kaoholavi. I don't want to tell Hawaiians that today. We bombed Kaoholavi for bombing practice. And where did you go after that? Did you serve in the Pacific? Oh, we went to the Pacific. Too many battles in the Pacific, major battles in the Pacific. 18 months, you get to know the crew pretty good. And being in supply aboard a ship, you're kind of head man because people want things, you know, especially some of those guys from the south. They, want, they, they make their own wines. They make their own booze aboard ship. So they ask for different fruit juices. You know, what the hell you guys want fruit juices? Until I found out they made their own swipe. You know, the southerners. So we had a good time. But I wasn't charged of the alcohol locker. But, you know, the alcohol was 100%. So you had a 
turn it down. You know, apparently you've heard that some of the ships, the people were drinking straight alcohol, died. But you know, you get, you can't do that. <laughs> so you were in charge of all the supplies. Yeah, all the. Yeah. Everybody was I, coming to you. I had the master key for most of the storms. That was my duty. For whenever general quarters to go down below, and I sat next to a, a commander who was uh, very conscientious about his religion. So the day we uh, we uh, we rammed the Indiana, another battleship, we lost twenty. They lost twenty-two people. We lost twelve, and most of those twelve were officers in the front part of the deck. So we were, and I think I said we went back to uh, Seattle, you know, for a new bow to repair. Or we stopped in Pearl Harbor for minor repairs and went to Seattle. When we got to Seattle here, there was a bow waiting on the deck. We thought we were there six, seven months. We were there 31 days and back out to sea again. What happened in that accident? Well, in the mornings, uh, you got to fuel ships. So, you know, the ships never going a straight day, go zigzag, you know, for submarines. And, well, one was zigging, the other one was zagging, but they collided. And, uh, like I said, they lost more people than we did. But when the uh, executive officer said there was uh, superficial damage, believe it or not, everybody clapped that we're going back to a shipyard. <laughs> everybody was happy. Can you believe that? And sure enough, we went back to a shipyard, but only 31 days. I hear you went to work in the shipyard in New York City, right? Correct. I worked at the uh, 3rd Naval District, 90 Church Street, and I uh, was with the Material Redistribution Office. It was, uh, we were in contact with all the military throughout the, uh, any place in the world. And my job was to, uh, if one place had too many Generators. They wanted. To sh- they wanted to get rid of it. We we put it out on a listing. We had about uh, twenty-two or twenty-three women. You know, it was hard to get men, so we worked on the women. They had all these women from all over the United States. The youngest was eighteen. The oldest was twenty-two, I think. And here I, I said, "Man, I hope this war would never end." <laughs> but, but, but it did. So when the war ended, you were in New York City. Right? I was in New York City. I had taken, I was, uh, I taken my boss up to uh, Times Square. Anyway, when we got there, Times Square got so full of people we couldn't move the car. Then we found out the war ended. My boss says, "Well, I, I can't drive to your home." He said, "Don't worry about it. You can get the subway or whatever. Go home." Uh, some girl from New Jersey took me home that night. So I found out what the uh, what that tunnel, the Holland Tunnel looked like. <laughs> the truth, but I was just young, I was younger. So did you party in the streets with everybody when you? Found I partied in the street. Like I said, well, we couldn't move the car. We had a party. What were your thoughts when you found out the war was over? Oh, one big party. <laughs> I didn't drink much, but that night everybody got drunk. <laughs> no, you know, they closed the streets. There are that many people in the streets. So after you were um, in New York, how many years did you serve in the Navy overall? 
Well, I decided to come home and retired. I got back to Kauai, but uh, at that time it was hard to get work. I had uh, a couple of friends going on the police force, and my uncle was a senator, a key, and he said, you don't want to get in the police force. You know, they, they all do dirty jobs, you know, where you find people dead and everything. So uh, I decided to uh, get back in the Navy. And at that time, you could get back in the Navy within 90 days and retain your same rating scene. And I was a E-7 chief storekeeper then. So on the 88th day, I got back, went to the receiving station, and here's the guy that was aboard the battleship with me. He said, what the hell are you doing here, chief? I said, I got a real list. He said, how do you feel perfect? So he had a captain was the, in charge. He said, this guy's okay. He said, yeah, he's, he's good. <laughs> so I got back in the Navy, stayed in for 24 years. Did you travel the world? Oh, every place. You know, lived in Japan, San Francisco, Oakland, New York. And, of course, when I retired from the Navy, I joined the uh, General Services Administration. And four of us, we had to visit all the General Services activities throughout the United States. So even as a civilian, I, I visited just about every state in the Union. You know, they, they, were, they were spending a lot of money, those guys, people, but, you know, I, I, was, I didn't care. It was just a lot of travel and enjoying it meeting a lot of good-looking girls like you. <laughs> <laughs> How many years did you work for GSA? Well, when I got out of the Navy, I stayed in for GSA in 1964. Oh, about 18 years. Well, I got to know them pretty good. I was the uh, uh, assistant manager, retired. I applied for a job, got it. And then I became the manager. They downsided the place that made customer supply centers. I became the manager of the customer supply center. So I got 54 years of government service. I hear that there is a building on Hickam named after you. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. If they, they got a little plaque there yet, but uh, I worked there and everybody liked me. I got along good. You know, I... Uh, Believe it or not, I enjoyed going to work, you know, knowing the people, but everybody was helpful, and it was a nice working for them. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to say, but it's the truth. So after you got, you, you retired, you started to volunteer at Pearl Harbor, is that correct? Well, my son uh, mentioned it, this Cammy. He said, yeah, you know, they want to hear your stories, so I did, and I, I do. In fact, I, I was there, uh, I used to go down, like I say, when I drive... I go on three, four times a week. And you can meet people from all over the world. I mean, all over the world. And unbelievable, you know, what are you doing here? Well, we just, we just want to come to Hawaii. But I enjoy talking to them. And I, you know, I give them a hug and they appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when I come home at night, I take a wet, hot rag wire myself. <laughs> you know, you hug so many people, you know. <laughs> That's the truth. you got to be safe. So why do you think it's important for people to know your story? Well, to know what these brave men and women, not myself, did to preserve our country. What do you want future generations to know about that day? Well, about the same thing that, uh, you know, what we did 
and uh, you know, a lot of kids come to, uh, well, the ones that come to visit the Arizona, they've read about it already, so they already know and they appreciate it. it it's, uh, I just enjoy going down there. I don't do it very much anymore, but uh, it's good meeting the people. What does it mean to you when you meet uh, somebody from elementary school and you get to tell them everything that happened that day? Oh, they enjoyed it. They, uh, we've been to elementary, uh, you know, I've, we've done that. We, we've been to many schools, fifth grade and above. You get a little younger, they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so do you, what do you want to say to the people who are learning about Pearl Harbor? Well, like I tell everybody, you come down, you visit me, come visit me, and come, come to my house, and I'll show you what Honolulu is, Hawaii is like. You know, Hawaii is, you know, I've, I've lived all over. Hawaii is, is it's exceptional. You know, you live in a big city, it's fun, but uh, there's no, not that kind of loving like you have here. I have about four or five Uncle Herb, Sterling, that are still living, and we get together once in a while. Well, Uncle Herb, not too much, because, you know, he's, uh, he had a stroke here recently, unfortunately. But, you know, he's 99 years old. Well, you know, I feel sorry, like Uncle Herb especially, you know, he was a nice guy. He's still a nice guy, but, you know, like the other day, we're, well, he was there the other day, but they're feeding him. You know, he couldn't feed himself, you know, so, but uh, it, it, you got to accept it. It happens, it happens. Not worry about it. Because, you know, if uh, in my case, you got to die, you got to die. But uh, but I don't want to die. <laughs> no. But your story will live on, even though... Oh, many, many sure, years. sure, sure. And these kids, you'd be, be, you'd be surprised. Kids that study about it, some young kids. Guy was eight years old, I think. He came and he named... All the battle, Japanese battleships were here. Can you believe that? And the captains of the battleships. You know, so some of the young kids are very, you know, they, they know more than I do. I don't even know the name of my captain of my battleship. <laughs> I know the cook, though. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like most about going down to Pearl Harbor? I just made the people tell my stories. You know, like I said, my son is the one who... Uh, told me, you know, why don't you go down and volunteer? And, and at my age, you know, rather than staying home being a couch potato, I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. Did you go on to, after World War II, did you serve in any other battles or any other? No. Until I married my wife, yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I served in Vietnam. I was waiting for him, back home. When I left the military, I never even went to VA. But now he's 63 and he's got a few health issues. Maybe it's time to see what VA can do for us. I'm ready to give it a go. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Speaking with Uncle Al was a true pleasure, and having the opportunity to interact and talk to other Pearl Harbor survivors and World War II veterans has truly been an honor. If you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our blog, 
You can find other stories, photos, videos, etc. on these Pearl Harbor survivors and others that were here to observe. Every generation has its own culture of veterans. And one thing that's unique about the World War II veterans is they just went and served. It's what the nation did. I am always taken away at how brave, courageous, yet casual these veterans are about talking about their service. Their lamest stories are still way cooler than any of mine will ever be. On Wednesday, we commemorated the 75th anniversary of the attacks on Pearl Harbor. And while many lives were lost, we stay committed to ensuring none are forgotten. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>